Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And on this episode, of course, we're going to go into our playing, doing, thinking, board games, and our topic. Who wants to tell us about this episode's topic? It's going to take a very long time, and it's very (laughs) episodic. But I think we're going to tackle our favorite campaign games. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They are the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories, amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Plan, doing, thinking board games. Ian, why don't you start us off, please? Because I've actually played a physical board <laughs> you game. You played a physical board nice. game. <laughs> yeah. So I talked about this on the What You've Been Playing Wednesdays this week, but uh, we played Concordia over the weekend. I love that game. It is mm. so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... Matt I always kind of describe it as the step up from settlers because it's got a lot of settlers in there, right? Where you're, you have to collect the right goods you need. Mm-hmm. And then depending on what type that. of building you want, has yeah. a, you have the map, a key of what you need to build it. Um, but of course, there's a lot more going on. There's the, you have to build your network across the Roman empire. And the really cool thing is your hand of cards is your actions, so you have to you can go through all your actions, but once yeah. you played it, you've played it until you refresh your whole hand again. And I like that Concordia's got that double-sided map. So to the one side, yeah. yeah, the one side is the full empire for the large player accounts, and then you've got the just Italy for the mm-hmm. small player accounts. And so that I think that it scales really well because of that. Like playing with mm-hmm. two was just yeah. like playing with four like it was it's just as tactical just as competitive yeah 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 Yeah. um and for two player norm introduced me to the uh britain map and that's a fantastic uh map expansion because it's a very tight space so it really tightens you're um, on top of each other immediately yeah Yeah. Yeah, so i think that that one was um advertised as great for uh, a two if you're going to play two player that's a great map um to have yeah hmm. well i can't fit any more in the box so i'm not going to get it <laughs> oh you don't want to see my i think mine's riding like three inches it's it's basically <laughs> if it was one more board then you'd be able to see the gap in between the lid and, and it'd be futile right it'd be oh, like dear. a stack of pancakes this yeah, is also the one with the with the really cool scoring because you mentioned that all the cards are your actions, but all the cards are also the way you score points. Right. Yeah. Throughout the, throughout the course of the game, so there's the ones that are dominating provinces or how many buildings you have or certain blah blah blah. Yeah. And I focused Money. on the I focused on the ones that were resource specific, right? Yeah. So like you can you can get all your brick, and then you get so many points based on how many brick towns you're built into. Mm-hmm. And then, and then over, you know, and then the multipliers, like if you, if you, you know, if you're scoring end of game scoring for how many cities you have and, and you've got like multiplier cards, you can stack stuff up pretty fast and nasty too. And yep. I think it's one of those games where, um, and I just remember Ryan, you remember my cousin, Ken, um, it's one mm-hmm. of those frustrating games where he, he likes to know like, like the, 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 uh, the oil stick in your car. He likes to know as the game's progressing where the score count is. And this is one of those games that it's at the end of the game where you told it all up and that 
he, he was twitching. He's, I don't like this. I don't like this. I want to know how much, well, I don't know how many points I have. And I want to know how many <laughs> points you have. And I'm like, no, man, I love this stuff. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> the way, because there's a variant in the, in the yeah. rule book where there's like, you can do like a mid game scoring, but does yeah. anybody, has anybody ever played with the no. mid game scoring? Never even heard of it. Yeah. The, uh, no. I think it's after the first round, then you do a scoring just to see. But uh, yeah, no, I like that. Because then it turns it into one of those, okay, how many Mars cards does he have? And there's a Mars Mars card in the, I can't let him get that one because he's just going to be like eight times stacking this stat, right? So yeah, no. And, I, and I'm you said, always... You said Mars bar. Ma, Mars bars. <laughs> I need a Mars bar. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so... Uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan, you have a very, very bold announcement to make I, I, on yours. <laughs> I, I, I changed this one at the last minute. I looked at, at the notes and went, there's a, there's a paragraph there. Okay. Yeah, I know. I changed this one at the last minute because uh, the game that I'm going to, that I was going to talk about, I'm talking about on the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And uh, I thought I'd keep it a little bit fresh. But uh, no, I got this idea last year from uh, Board Game, uh, Bridge City Board Gamers uh, Facebook community member, um, Jason Joseph, Joseph and his wife. Um, every February, they play Stefan Feld games. They've been calling it Felduary for uh, for a while. And so I proposed this idea to my wife, Jen, and she said, yeah, sure. I like some of those games. I, she said, who's Stefan Feld? And then I had to list <laughs> off a couple of games. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 like, I like those games. So I said, okay, so the only games we're going to play in February are Stefan Feld games. I've got quite a few of them. I got, I got quite the collection. Um, the only ones, the, the, the only ones. Yeah. That's and, cool. um, that's cool. <laughs> I know I'll, I'll let you guys know how, to, how it's going on, on the next, on the next cast, but, uh, we do actually have three, um, Stefan Feld games that we actually haven't played yet. Um, two are still in shrink just because I only just got them, uh, just before the, um, just before Christmas or sorry, just after Christmas. And then one that's, um, been unwrapped but we haven't actually ever played it but we uh we got bonfire which is the 2020 release mm-hmm. um i got the new edition of, of carpe diem and then uh forum trejanum so those are three that are definitely going to get played this uh this month right on and so yeah so i'm looking forward to all the points we're i want to play scoring. bora i'm looking at oh, i want to play that yeah. one again yeah bora bora is going to get played definitely uh castles of burgundy is probably going to get played a lot um aqua i had a very itching to play um aquasphere again and trajan and oh so many good ones notre dame i love notre Notre dame Dame. yeah cool cool oh sorry yeah going it's been sorry ryan it's been a while since i picked on you so just for the (laughs) listeners uh in this in the notes he wrote felduary and then in in brackets, he wrote Feld plus February because apparently he didn't think that Norm and I could figure that out. <laughs> so thanks, Ryan. <laughs> hey, your chocolate's in my peanut butter. No, your peanut, peanut butter's, butter's in my chocolate. In my chocolate. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I forgot. I forgot to actually spell that out for everybody on the podcast <laughs> that's listening here. <laughs> so if you want to find out, it's HTTP. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's transition into uh, uh i'm the transition. only game yeah i'm i'm the only gamer in my family and i have to it's like a hostage negotiation with my daughter to play a board game so um i sometimes i gravitate to bga and i have my standard um uh big you know kind of filler stuff i, I mean i'm not going to sit down and 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 tuck into a you know a long game in the pond with people i don't know but i have no problems playing King Domino, playing Can't Stop. And uh, since this one came on, I've been so compelled to play Welcome To as much as I can on BGA because uh, they, do, they do such a wonderful job. Um, the, uh, and all the options that are available there. And what I'm starting to, I mean, I think I've spoke about this before, but what I'm starting to learn is that this game and the way the cards come out and the way the choices come out. I mean, it's a, it's a flipping right. So everybody should know. And you've got basically your, your neighborhood building and you're assigning uh, house numbers, 
uh, to uh, these different locations on three different levels of streets. And there's, you know, there's uh, different varieties of things you can score on, like parks, like pools. Um, and so what I'm discovering is that at first look, it's very simple. It's very, you know, happy. But there's, there's some pretty cunning decisions that you can do. And there's some depth in there that I'm now starting to understand <laughs> after I get my butt handed to me and I go peek at other people's boards and I start to evaluate how they interpreted the same data that I got. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun on that, on that end side evaluating, oh man, I knew I should have put that here, then there, or I picked, you know, I, I, I can come back to moments where I, I, I can see decisions where I should have made considering the context of, the same decisions made by other players in the same, like I said, data options, right? So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a simple game, but it's got as much depth as you want to explore. So I'm, I'm really happy so far with I'm that. with you on that one. It's a fantastic implementation of, of the system. It, it, and, and, and like you, Norm, I get trounced <laughs> on, the, on this game as well. I don't know. People have got some sort of strategy figured out that we're just probably just starting to tune into oh yeah there's, there's, the, there's the little temper tantrum in me is like oh man you cheated there's there, you i've quit the no, no wait no wait that multiplier there and that multiplier that oh wow how'd you do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah or they or they um pull off some massive combo of oh i just put down this fence and now i claim um, goal card number one and goal card number three at the same time oh, type deal and i was, yeah. I was like what yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. This, but it, I mean, it's, it's frustrating and it's challenging. And I mean, that's, I think the best idea of a filler game is, is does, does your brain go for a nice jog, I guess. And it, for me, at least it does. So yay. I'm happy with that. Welcome to BGA and it's free. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Today's topic is, as Ryan pointed out, our favorite campaign games. Not legacy, but campaign. So should we should we explain so, the difference? So how, Ryan, you, yeah, you how do we so how do we explain the difference between a campaign game now, I guess legacy, I'm, if, if, if there was right a Venn diagram, yeah. <laughs> so as the math teacher here, if there's a Venn diagram, <laughs> the, there's a circle of campaign games, and then there would be a smaller circle inside of that one, which we would probably call legacy yeah. uh, um, game. So how, how would we define what a campaign game is? I'd say Ian, well, evolving oh. story. Sorry, Ian. Yeah. Evol so we got evolving story. It's hot potato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that uh, different scenarios each time. Would that have something to do with it? Yeah, I would say that. I would, I'd or a, say a scenario based system. Scenario, so scenario based. Yeah. And I, and I, I would think it would be some sort of maybe a game that it, you, it tell maybe tells us do campaign games mainly tell a story <laughs> as, yeah. as you, as, as probably as, as you progress, um, and yeah, very, I would say scenario based, you, you have to complete a series of scenarios and they're probably in sequential order. Yeah. Like there's, there's probably not as much jumping, uh, jumping all around. You probably have to complete from like, there's a, there's yeah. a start, middle and end, like a good movie or a good book. And sometimes, but not all the times narrative driven. Right. Yeah. There's some, there's some sort of overall yeah. arching narrative, maybe in the background, and the thing that it's not is you're not destroying anything. You're not writing on anything. Um, 
which is, I think, a definitive quality of the legacy. It's resettable, right? Yeah. Resettable is right. the difference between legacy. Yeah, yeah so, I guess, yeah, you can always go back to the beginning of a campaign game and start reset. playing it over and yeah. playing it over again. So that being said, um, let's we've we've got some lists. Let's take let's take uh, some okay, turns. Let's, get, let, let's let's give the listeners some examples. Yeah, let's talk about and then uh, and then explore. You know, um, uh, talk about the coolness of it. Um, uh, Ian, would you like to start us off? Sure. Yeah. Right. So we're not going into legacy games, just no. for the listeners' sake. We're yeah. going to be doing that later. Another episode. And of course, you would have hopefully you took a listen to our last episode where we talked to Rob Davio who's the king of legacy games. And he some pretty good. <laughs> he gave some pretty good insights there. So go check that out if you haven't and stay tuned for more of that. But we're going to focus on the non-legacy aspect. I don't really play campaign games very much. It's not my thing so much, except for legacy. I, I love legacy. I will dive into that. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think of what are campaign games that I have played and and norm i don't know if you wanted us to do this or not but are we going to talk about like the taxonomy like you mentioned like what kind of well, mention i think that's good for you with? That, i think that we'll leave that for the episode that uh, you and your legacy um guys can can completely like dissect and and uh tear apart like a <laughs> like a pizza at a football intermission <laughs> so the first one i thought was actually like a historical war campaign right and so the one that triggered in my head was memoir 44 yeah now memoir 44 is a game that you could just open up the book and play any scenario right it's not one you have to start at the beginning yeah um so i don't know if you think it counts but it it does does count yeah if you do start at the beginning and you go scenario to scenario you are playing out um this group of selected battles from world war ii yeah and sorry for interrupting but memoir 44 has campaign books that you can buy like like you stand alone yeah so yeah absolutely memoir 44 counts yeah and me and my friend have been it's a two-player game and we've we have now finished the entire original rule book scenarios and so we've gone from We've liberated Paris and all of that. <laughs> and and so now we're ready to start uh, the Eastern Front. Oh, Because right each of the expansions comes with their own little mini campaigns. And it's, I just, I just think it's a really cool game. It, it's kind of neat to, because they actually, the rule book actually adds a little bit, a little blurbs of history, right? For each battle yeah. and what actually happens. Yeah. And then you... Well, and why they chose the scenario from a tactical point of view. Yeah, right. yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, what do you got going on? Okay, as I'm looking at my list, as as was, so Memoir 44 is more of a, it's it's kind of like a competitive yeah. um, game. It's one, it's 1v1. And yeah. people are, now, I'm looking at my list, and none of mine are competitive. <laughs> yeah. Mine are all cooperative um, based. And that's also probably also because um, when I play campaign games um, that are not legacy, they, they have a, so that you can play since they're cooperative, yeah. you can play them solo. And so yeah. I've, I've played all of these games um, solo based uh, as, but without, there's one that I have not played solo. So I guess the first one that I'm going to do is um, my favorite game of all time, Arkham Horror, <laughs> the living card game. It is set up as a whole bunch of separate campaigns. So if people don't know about this, um, there's the Arkham Horror card game um, base box, which has uh, a three scenario um, story um, um, to it. And then what you can do is you can buy deluxe expansions, which is a big box, um, comes with two more scenarios, but then the living card game aspect of it is that if you want to complete that story, you have to buy another series of six scenario packs that complete the story. They get you and they, hooked. And they have to be played in, <laughs> oh yeah. And they have to be played in sequential order because it's chapter one, chapter two, all the way up to usually chapter eight. And the, 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 fun, the fun and frustrating part is that there's sometimes those later chapters, you may do something. And if you lose that chapter, it'll specifically say, You've lost the campaign. You now have to start back over. Oh, 
<laughs> and so, so they, th- those are moments that they're yeah. completely frustrated. Mm. But right now they're on to their sixth. I thought well, I'm on to my sixth um, campaign. Is this the, there's the sixth cycle that's out right now? The Insmouth conspiracy. It, not all the scenario packs have been released yet. They're they're releasing this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's fantastic. It, the, it's got that narrative piece that I absolutely yeah. adore. And there's so many different characters that I can play with nowadays. Um, I, I, I don't even know how many characters there are. So I can just get, if I wanted to re-dive into a campaign with a different set of characters, yeah. um, I can I can do that. Cool. And yeah, cool. so Arkham Horror, that's my, obviously my favorite campaign type awesome. game because it's a whole bunch of scenarios. I'm quite similar with you in the fact that I play a lot of solo stuff because as I mentioned, um, I'm probably the only hardcore gamer in the house, but, um, the, uh, the, the one I'm going to start with this one because, uh, um, it, it, uh, it, great solo, great cooperative. Um, but it is so unique and that's Chronicles of Crime, um, where you, uh, and, and it's, and it's a campaign through the point that it's narrative driven each there's stories, there's uh, uh, there's um, content online that you can add to uh, your base game, and uh, there are there are so many scenes, so many stories, so many uh, different expansions. Uh, like the base game comes with a lot of great content, but then there's noir, and then there's red view, I believe, and then I think they just they I don't think I know they came out with because I want to buy it, but uh, 1400 where you're using that that engine to go solve medieval crimes. Um, Red view is a lot of people say, Oh, it's a, uh, it's a um, stranger things kind of, kind of um, high school teenagers kind of thing going out and uh, escapades and solving crimes. But uh, the Chronicles of crime as an engine, I think they, they really knocked this one out of the park from a, a design point of view that, that, with the QR codes, with using your phone. And again, I, I sometimes I'm the first one to say, oh, stay away from the phones. I want to play board game, play board game. But they do this one very delicately and and kind of uh, um, unoffensively, at least for me. It's like just enough and not too much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally digging Chronicles of Crime uh, with all the stuff they're coming out. And I can't wait to get my... Uh, a chance to play 1400 and then the other two following that series. So yeah. Chronicles of crime. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. Ian. All right. So the next one I have is actually an expansion and it's Scythe rise of Fenris. So when this came out, uh, we, it, it was kind of being, advertised as the legacy expansion for scythe but i don't think it's legacy because you're not like we said it's resettable you're not really changing the game as you go it's more of a campaign Uh, but it was still a lot of fun it's eight games and every game introduces something a little bit new Mm -hmm. every player kind of keeps has a has a sheet that they keep track of and so depending on what uh, tracks they win on or wh- where their stars go, right? They can check things off on their sheet and they're trying to fill up a board. So you can, you're trying to like win one game or one star for every game. And when you do that, you get <laughs> money for it, right? And so if you yeah. get, or you get like five wins where you, you get the combat, you get money for that. And so, you're keeping track of that stuff and you get upgrades that you can use that you collect throughout the, throughout the campaign. Uh, and then there's a lot of, as far as the story goes, they do add a bit of a story to it and they add different aspects as you go. I won't go into it for those who haven't, I don't even, Ryan, I don't think you've done this yet. Have you? I have, I have not, but I do know the, cause this is what they refer to as it's a, it's a modular um, expansion that they released as a campaign right because um, all, all the different scenarios that you play through like you said do add those extra things so now that you've unlocked now you can play with those things in your regular games of of scythe now um jamie segmeyer actually got this idea 
he actually implemented this idea the first time um, with um, viticulture, the original Tuscany expansion. The original Tuscany expansion was a modular campaign mode where you played the game, you unlock something new. Okay, now that the winner of that game got to choose what you got to unlock the next time. And eventually you just unlocked everything in the box. And now you have a whole bunch of modules to play with for viticulture, but there was some sort of story yeah. uh, that you kind of played through. This one, he's already, he's also added for Scythe, he's also added the ownership of your of right. your tribe or, or whatever they call it, right? So uh, yeah. you can you can improve your mechs and you can improve your your soldiers and things like that as you go too. Um, so there's that piece as well, which I think adds to it quite a bit. All right. Yeah. No, that this is I've I've been wanting to I've been wanting. To play through this, even though I even though I know all the modules yeah. already that have been that that are in there, I just I do want to play through. I do want to play through and actually play with actual people. <laughs> eight games and I won zero out of eight. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge, right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology. Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Okay. Um, I think the next one I'm going to talk about is uh, probably another obvious one that I really enjoyed. And it's probably the one of the largest um, campaign games that we have going out right now. Uh, a little game called Gloomhaven. Yes. Um, probably one of the, probably the, the epitome of what a campaign style, because it's really, <laughs> it's taken, it's taken RPG. If you want to take, talk about the epitome campaign game, you're probably talking Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Yeah, Dungeons Dragons probably the epitome because people can have campaigns going on for years. Yeah, and what, absolutely. And what Gloomhaven did is they actually um, transported that and made it into a game where the the players are taking on a AI system essentially with the uh, how monster movements go, and so it's it's a cooperative dungeon crawling campaign. But base game original Gloomhaven with a book of about almost a hundred scenarios. And a campaign, if you want to call it that, yeah. is probably going to play over close to about, they say, 50 to 60 of those scenarios. Yeah. And, of course, it's all hinging on that you have completed the previous scenario. So there's going to be times where you're going to be spending an hour, hour and a half, depending on your player count, maybe mm-hmm. even two hours. You might go through a scenario and you get demolished. <laughs> demolished it in, and then you have to reset. Not you might. Again. You will. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, and it's branching like, too, right? I mean, uh, what, what, like uh, when you first showed yeah. this game to me, my brain just went, this is D&D with like cards instead of dice. And there's there's more decision-making space in regards to, you know, how you can choose. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, um, mentioning Gloomhaven, you have to also mention Jaws of the Lion, which is the, which is the uh, I would say, entry level. To this, yeah, this evergreen system, I think we can call it now. Yeah, entry level, as in the the, the first scenarios. Like I think about the first five scenarios teaches you the core concepts of how to play um, Gloomhaven, and then after the five scenarios, you are now playing scenarios full Gloomhaven. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like so cool. Yeah, and I don't know what else to say about it. I, I really like the branching story. Yeah. There's, there's going to be essential points where you're going to pivot. You're going to choose A, B, or C. And if you choose A, now B and C are somewhat closed. And, and I say somewhat closed because you'll get to a point in branch A yeah. where now you've completely closed off. And you're never going to be able to get back to those B, C. So yeah. you could possibly play um, another campaign of Gloomhaven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's reset. There's reset packs that people, you know, that you can get. Absolutely. Yeah, and and people say that Gloomhaven's got legacy aspects to it. There are stickers that you can place on the board. There are they they say destroy cards, but essentially, what all you have to do is just kind of just set them aside or just put them in a separate baggie. Yeah. 
um, off to the side so that you can play the campaign again. Actually, what everybody's done now is that there's all these helper apps out there, yeah. or, or just like or just like pieces of paper, just keeping track of what you've done, kind of like D and D style. You just keep track of things on a notepad, and and, and you can go from there. So Gloomhaven, um, an RPG dungeon crawl in a box, cool, big old twenty-two pound box. I'm going to uh, I'm going to move on to a a game that encompasses I would say three games in total because of the the game architecture and that's Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle Earth, uh, Star Wars Imperial Assault and Descent Second Edition. Um, all of those share the same DNA as far as the campaign aspect of the game. Uh, for me, Journeys to Middle Earth is obviously Lord of the Rings, um, and uh, it it utilizes that same app uh, uh, utilization story driven mechanic that was intro was it introduced in Imperial Assault and then applied to Descent and then became a functional uh, uh, I would say part of the gaming experience for Lord of the Rings Journeys yeah. uh, in Middle Earth. So yeah. And, and there's a, there's another one in there um, that all of those ones the the, the first one was uh, Mansions of Madness yeah yeah which is one that I haven't had any experience of but uh, they had those games like Descent and um, Star Wars Imperial Assault where they were originally designed with an Overlord player yeah yeah taking on a team of team of heroes and then Mansions of Madness came out and said no we're not going to have an Overlord player we're going to have um, the system design uh, be controlled by an app. Yeah, be the game master through the app. Yeah, and then everybody was like, "Well, this is awesome. Um, why can't just why can't Descent and Imperial yeah. Assault have this?" So then they designed those, and people thought this is great. And then and they, Journeys of Middle Earth was the first one that they actually designed it with that in mind. And it does such a wonderful job to assist that whole campaignness or that campaign aspect. So yeah, mine Journeys, uh, Lord of the Rings, Imperial Assault, yeah. and Descent. And, and as opposed to Gloomhaven, um, these um, scenarios, if you fail the scenario, you don't go back to the beginning of the scenario. Now you get to, the, the story gets to keep going forward. But now the Overlord AI system has maybe a little bit of a buff. You are a little bit weaker because you didn't um, complete, you didn't complete the scenario uh, successfully. So you don't, you don't get a buff. But if you do complete the scenario, you get a some sort of improvement, but I do like that a fact that I don't have to replay the scenario yeah. over and over and over and again. And get caught in a loop. Yeah. 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 I, I like that too. Absolutely. Ian, what do you got next? All right. So now we get into um, <laughs> a discussion of semantics uh, because I don't know that what I've got is actually campaign games. <laughs> so here we go. I picked Robinson I, Crusoe. I would say, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. So I'm going to back you up on that. So Robinson Crusoe is a game where you need to use scenarios in order to play because you have to have a goal for the game, but every scenario gives you a different goal for the game and a few other things like different items to use and all that. But more specifically, what is it you have to do to get off this island or what do you have to do to survive? And so it's not really a campaign game because you can play any scenario at any time. Uh, you can play the same scenario over and over and over again if you really want to. But with my particular mindset, right, I want to start from the beginning and then play every scenario, right? Yes. And so I don't, <laughs> I think if you were to strictly make a category of campaign games, I don't think this fits. But when you add in the player aspect, I think it fits because I, I do so want to play every scenario. I think I the narrative, yeah, I think the narrative is for me the one that makes it a big check mark of, yeah, absolutely. Because right away in my head, I'm, I, I'm thinking, I can't wait to play the King Kong campaign, right? Where, where, where the it's not a continuing narrative, though. That's the well. I mean, oh, there's so interesting potential there. But I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I love that game. So I'm going to say, yeah, that's absolutely each. It's it's a micro campaign, a compact campaign. 
but yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah, you know, because it's interesting because I had a couple on mine. Now I'll just jump in with them right here because these are these two games have similar um, types. Like they have the scenarios that they call campaigns in the actual rule book. That you now, yeah. the, like you said, this is semantics. But Dead of Winter and Wasteland mm-hmm. Express Delivery Service have these things as well. And Dead of Winter is actually labeled um, sequentially. Uh, there's a there's twelve scenarios and one for each month of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. of, of that they're playing through and so like first scenario is strictly just just you know just survival of the other thing but then the next one is like oh the, the focus is really on food gathering so there's some sort of focus around there or for a second there i thought we were talking about the pandemic <laughs> okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> i got distracted so. for a second i had to go buy toilet paper <laughs> and then um waste express delivery service um, had another one. Their, their their campaign mode was more to gear. There was some sort of overall story behind it, but um, to allow players to play through to see all of the objectives that you could possibly because really you could set up it up randomly with the random. But then they have a um, this campaign mode where you can actually com- accomplish all of the objectives mm-hmm. if you play through the ten games. Okay. And, you know, that's cool because I'm going to transition straight into, because I like that, that mode from going to Robinson Crusoe to, to this, to um, a game standalone, awesome game. But when they came out with this edition, I loved it. And that's the Grizzled Armistice Edition. And if you haven't played the Grizzled, it's basically a narrative. <laughs> it's so dark, but um, it's a narrative description of the first world war in the trenches and what the armistice edition does is it presents to you as you described in the in the other games a a sequential story progression um and uh uh, and and i think it uh, as far as the narrative goes i think it does a great job of um if you if you like the game you play the game by standalone by itself but the armistice edition takes those people who um enjoy that kind of i would say desperate puzzle um to uh to really dive into uh uh, the 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 story and the flavor text and everything that goes on in that game so uh, i'm a big fan of uh of the grizzled armistice edition yeah Yeah. that that was a game that yeah i'm i was surprised that that it was meant for a can the campaign mode would be easy to yeah. add in to that yeah. one because you're, it's, it's that historical con that concept. Well, there's so text. much depth of story to that theme too. Yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. Ian, what do you got? Okay. So I'm going to jump in this kind of the same idea. So it's not really um, campaign, but it has different scenarios that I'm working through, through the rule book. A small world came out with an expansion a while back called the realms expansion. And so what it does is it adds a modular board. It gives you a whole bunch of pieces and you put them together to make different maps. Um, But it also gave this really big, thick scenario book, which gives different scenarios and different goals that you have to meet. And so like one would be, it actually puts different powers out on the board. (laughs) And if you actually reach the power, you get the power. They call that the wells of power scenario. And, and so some of the scenarios will actually throw in the, the s- sequel to Small World, which is called Small World Underground. Mm-hmm. You can mix and match the two games together. And so you can have like a scenario that starts at the top and then goes down underground. All right on. And it's got a whole bunch of cool scenarios like that. And we've been slowly working our way through and trying them all out. Cool. So not really a campaign, but I made it one. So there but, you go. But, I mean, that's the thing. You, the, the, the generation of the narrative. I mean, and again, like you said, there's a sequential order to it that was, was prescribed by the, uh, by the publisher. So why not walk through their, their storybook? Yep. yep. I was talking about that Venn diagram. So we have another <laughs> little subset of these um, scenario-based um, rule books that come with some of these games that you can work through the scenarios to see everything that the expansion has to offer. Yeah. Cool. What do you got, Ryan? Okay. So the next one that I'm going to talk about um, has um, scenarios now, but these scenarios are a very, very long campaign themselves. And I'm talking about the game called the seventh continent. Oh yeah. And so um 
the seventh continent is a really neat um, exploration survival type of game where everything's run by cards and your cards are the, the stack of cards is essentially your health. If this stack of cards ever gets depleted, you're, you, you're exhausted. You can't survive anymore. You are like expired starving. Yeah. You're, you're expired. You're, you're, you're dead. Your time is numbered at that, at that point. But there's obviously there's ways that you can go hunting and which adds cards to the deck. And there's other things that you can do to refresh yourself and give yourself some life back so that you don't expire (laughs) (laughs) now what would make seventh continent really kind of cool is that at the start of the campaign at the start of a scenario which they call curses they um you really don't know what you're supposed to do you have to try to figure this uh, figure this out you're given a, a very basic clue as to what and where you're supposed to go but after that you really are up, up to you have to explore the island until you finally get to a, a certain spot or something like that that progresses the story. So a scenario, uh, I'll talk about the the first one, which is called the Voracious Goddess. Um, the first time that I played through it, it took me twenty hours of gameplay <laughs> to go through. Now I think I mentioned about playing. Um, I'm laughing before. with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the way the seven continent works is that it it has very video game like elements to it where you can just actually just pack the game away at a certain point. They can say, I'm just going to save my progress right now. And they have a very um, specific order which you pack the game away so that when you want to return to it, it just unpacks again and you're right where you left off everything. Cool. So, yeah, because you are not going to sit there and play this game for 20 hours straight. That will an insane person. <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, this is what I would do. I'd, I'd play for like an hour or two, pack it away. And then a couple of nights later, unpack it, play for an hour or two, pack it up, and so forth. And going, and it's really, really good. The story that you develop on your own, like, there is the story in the background. Yeah. But the story that you also develop yourself through the course of your gameplay of trying to survive is also really kind of cool and, and, and rich. Right on, right on. Well, speaking of stories that are that are rich and deep, um, I'm going to, we haven't really talked about this genre much, but uh, I'm going to talk about Legacy of Dragonhold, which is, it's kind of a hybrid of D&D, but choose your own adventure. If you if you can grasp that, and um, more so, choose your own adventure. As, as far as the mechanisms go, um, it's just it's just a simple kind of coin. Did I take my turn uh, making a decision, yes or no? Until everybody flips their coin, and then you reset. And then you know when the story continues, you're presented with your your typical you know branch in the road. You you know choose A, choose B. And uh, whoever's decision it is uh, usually reflects the uh, the character and the you know uh, if is you know if you have a certain character type or if your character has certain skill sets you are allowed to make that decision, and um, it's such a a great story. Um, I think if you are very much a, a game player that likes to. Uh, explore the theater of the mind. This is definitely a really cool campaign for you. So, Brian, I think you have this game too. Yeah, and I have not completed it. <laughs> I, I know I've logged quite yeah. a quite quite a bit yeah, into it. Um, yeah, you just remind me that I should probably just pick this one up, uh, pick this one up again, and just start reading again. And and I mean that's and that's I think I did a good description of it with this, with this idea of theater of the mind, because it is very detailed, very uh, dense in, in, in its narrative. So if that's what you like, I remember, I, remember, I remember one lunch hour that we played. We, we, we played it for a whole lunch hour. Yeah. Um, reading back. And all we did was sit in a library and read books. Yeah. That, that's what, that was our scenario. That that's we, right. <laughs> that I want to go, played. I want to go study up so I can buff up my character's uh, attributes. Oh, that's, yeah. what, and that's what we did because we read about those things like, Oh, now I've got arcane spells yeah. and, and I'm wiser. But then now. there was, so I was like, I'm like, this was awesome. And all yeah. we did was read books. And I think what was really <laughs> clever too, is that, is that we made those choices, but the timer in the game still continues. 
So if mm-hmm. there's if we were stuck in the library and we were actually supposed to go out of the library and go encounter a certain person who needed our help in the street, that that's gone, right? That person either perished or that right. We we basically were bookworms when we should we should or could have been doing other things. But again, that's that choose your own adventure. And it was and it was interesting the the consequences. I don't remember precisely, but I knew there were some negative consequences through the choices that we made of binging at the library. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's my go. Do we want to do one more round? Yeah. Sure, I just got a couple quick ones. Okay, um, go for it, Ryan. Go for it. Yeah, let's uh, let's fill it out before we uh, we close up this episode. So yeah, free for all. Sure, sure. So the next one that I want to talk about is kind of like in the same vein as I call it a more complicated, uh, or sorry, a more complex seventh continent, and that's the game called Tainted Grail. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm excited about this because I got to revisit the world of Tainted Grail because I just got all of my Wave Two expansions. <laughs> Saw um, that in the mail. box. <laughs> Another big box full of goodies. But now I've got so the main campaign is like a 15 chapter campaign, and what really it's kind of like that. I say it's like the Seventh Continent because there's the brand story narrative, and you have really no idea where you're going until you finally you know you encounter something that says okay can you please go do this for me. And so now you have to pursue, I'm going to pursue that quest. And so each chapter, the, the variability in each chapter is, is, is quite unique in the branching storylines. I just wanted to bring that up. And it's, very, it's a very survival-based game. And again, it has that quick save. So because one chapter might take you an hour, the next chapter took me like seven. Yeah. And so they have the quick, they have the quick saves in, in, in between. Cool. Um, another one that I wanted to bring up was um, one of the first campaign games that I really, really enjoyed, and that was Mechs versus Minions. <laughs> yeah. And we got to play. I played this with the uh, board game club guys. Yeah. I've at lunchtime, played a couple sessions. To, yeah. So we and it was it's a it's a campaign of ten scenarios. Very cool story that's going on in the background, and then after you've played, because every scenario unlocks new mechanisms and new things that the game. Um, has to offer and then afterwards you can go back and you can play the earlier scenarios now with the new things mm-hmm. that you've that you've unlocked which i thought was actually pretty uh um, um pretty cool right on but yeah mechs versus minions and of course i have to mention mechs versus minions is the best production value versus the dollar that you spent on the game oh that was a hands, love letter hands to down. the fans yeah Definitely. Hands down. 75 bucks gets you this big, massive coffin box of goodiness. Yeah. Cool. So I'm Tainted gonna... Grail, you're, you're going around like doing errands for people or? Because <laughs> I, I, I just like got a handyman oh, club. Oh, oh, sorry. I got I tri- triggered back to, uh, <laughs> to our retheming TV show idea. And I think we've got a littlest hobo game right there. <laughs> There's oh, a so, so I, I didn't mention to the story about seventh continent um i think i mentioned it one time in an earlier podcast but when you what you're doing is that there's um it's the it's the it's the king arthur realm of avalon and it's kind of in peril right now i've just got monty but, python going on in my head <laughs> so a band of heroes went out to try to save the world and they went missing so then another band of heroes went out to try to find those heroes and they went. And they went and now into it's the you. Total party kill. Yeah. So two. So two total party kills, and then you're going up as the wolf to clean up the mess. And now you are out to set out to try to figure out what happened to everybody. Cool. Type of, type of thing. So you're kind of you're a real reject in the beginning of the game. Well, I've got two that I want to th- throw into the pool here, um, uh, and uh, one is my favorite. One of my favorite artists, Ryan Lockett, uh, Near and Far, and uh, Near and Far. When this came out, uh, it was so unique. It was it, it attracted my attention immediately because it was the first that I know of that used. I mean, it's a campaign, and you can play standalone. There's so many variants in it, but it used the board game was the flip book, that little ring mm-hmm. binder flip book, and it was the first uh, um, that uh, that I've seen. And I'm not going to say it was the first ever, but that I've you know paid attention to. And I think that right away went triggered me thinking this is a fun story because it's a storybook, right? 
Um, so that's near and far. And the, and the one that I want to, uh, the last one I want to put in here, um, uh, uh, Harry Potter and the Hogwarts Battle. Uh, and you're basically playing, the campaign starts movie one. And you basically go through all of the uh, of the movies uh, in a sequential order. And, and as you progress, you get older and the cards, you swap in cards out for the new boxes and you get different powers. And um, uh, much like what we had uh, talked to with uh, Rob Davio in, re in regards to um, the progression, it's very scaffolded. So the first game obviously is going to introduce you to very simple deck building uh, mechanisms. And then as you're progressing, they're going to add and, and give you uh, uh, more thick choices to make um, uh, and, and being very straightforward, simple games. So, yeah, uh, that's a that's a fun little one. I mean, and I think we did a review and I said the uniqueness is that you get to be the characters. So, yeah, I've never I've never played it. But if I was to think about what I would want a Harry Potter game to be, I think the idea of progressing through the books year by year is actually really cool. Like, yeah. That's a really neat way of doing it. Yeah, because you get to you know the the book three and you're like, oh, do you know remember the villain? Oh yeah, and then boom, the villain card comes out and you're just like, yay, we get yeah. So yeah. that yeah, those those are my throw those are my throw-ins for the and, that, and, that, and that's interesting. We didn't bring that up, but you I like it. Most of these campaign games, and I'm gonna say most, not all, do do that scaffolding. They start you off quite they quite uh, quite introductory at at, at times. And then they just kind of progressively get a little bit more difficult or introduce a few more complexity things. The learning one curves. game that one one game that I'm going to throw out there that didn't do that was the original Gloomhaven. Um, that first that first scenario, there's a lot of people who say, "Wow, there was a learning curve mm -hmm. to this game," and that first scenario kicks everybody's butts until you figure <laughs> out, "Oh, this is what I'm supposed to yeah. do." This is what I want to do, I, but it's not thing. being successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. The game, the game forced you to learn. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, but the, the good, good campaign games. Yeah. will introduce you to the things. A progression. Like Dragon warrior. When you're hitting those, those slime blob things, right. You just spend <laughs> a lot of time hitting those and then eventually you work your way up. Right on. Um, I think we've, uh, I think we've done a, an excellent job at, uh, uh, describing and giving examples of some some pretty good campaign games now and there's so many more there's so there. many more yeah um but uh we're at that stage where i get to say thank you for tuning in and listening and uh and and, and just being so awesome so uh, i'm your host norm i'm ryan i'm ian and we'll catch you later This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.